Oh, no. You know, it's so exciting. Um, and Jen is saying, light a fire in this church so we could, we could do wonders in your name. And that's so exciting because of what we're talking about here. This new series that's kicking off and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 through 20 is really the foundation of this entire new series. I want to lay a foundation in the word of God always and we're obviously going to be looking at other scripture as well. But this is really the foundation. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 through 20 and listen to the words. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What and if. What and if. Two words that alone don't inspire dynamic or enthusiastic or exceptional thoughts or dreams. But when those two words are put together, when those two words are joined together, they allow our minds and our hearts to to reach beyond the ordinary and to seek out the extraordinary. Think about it. What if? What if? Alone, together, all of a sudden, our minds begin to go. Our, Our dreams begin to wander Outside of the norm that we would usually talk about. What if, what if, what if we truly lived out the word of God? Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 through 20. What if we just looked at that? Those words, I want you to write that down. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 through 20. And I want you to take it and I want you to read it this week. Because imagine, if you will, what if we lived out the word of God in our everyday lives. What, what if we lived the lives that we were designed to live? What if we used our time, our talents, and our treasures to impact the kingdom of God? What if we used those times, those talents, and those treasures to accomplish God's vision for this body? If we invested who we are and the things that we have within the body of Christ, what if we could overcome our fears and, and, our, and our, our, our self-inflicted, if you will, limitations? Because we do that all the time. We, we limit ourselves. We read things like that. God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. But then in our, in our daily walk, in our daily lives, we limit ourselves. Spiritually, we limit ourselves. What if we believe that God could truly do immeasurably more than all that you and I could ever ask or imagine? 
Hold on to that dream. Hold on to that thought. Because throughout our lives, there are things that we we really, really want to do. But then we're held back by these self-inflicted limitations, our human limitations. This is what Paul is saying to us. This is why he wrote this. There's so much that God wants from us. There's so much that God wants us to do. There's so much that God designed us to do. Then we're held back by our own self-inflicted limitations. See, the question this morning is not, can we dream? Not, do we have goals? Everyone can dream. Everyone dreams. The question is, do we have the courage to act upon those dreams? Do we have the courage to step out in faith, whether it's in your business or in your relationships, in your in your school, in your home? Do we have the courage to step out and act upon those dreams? We will have the courage if we, as Paul says, listen to this, if we ask God for his glorious riches to strengthen us with power through his spirit. What could we achieve if we surrendered to God's will? If we read the word of God and we said, this is the way God wants me to live and I'm going to live this out in my life. What would we achieve? What could we accomplish if we surrendered to God's will? What could we accomplish if we as the body of Christ set aside our self-imposed limitations and tried to live without limits? March forward doing the things that God has called us to do. If we never stopped setting goals and never stopped dreaming, some of you have reached the pinnacle of business or reached the pinnacle and you've, you've, you've raised your family and, and things have turned out really the way you would like them to turn out, all those things. And, and somehow you maybe step back and relax a little bit and said, well, I've, I've achieved. But God is saying, I am not finished with you yet. Don't limit yourself and, 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 and you've accomplished this or you've accomplished that. Don't limit those things. I'm not finished. Can you imagine if we lived without those limitations? Can you imagine if we prayed with conviction and boldness? When we, when we lay out, when God lays something out before us there, if we lay something out as a church, if we began as individuals within the church, as, as Bible studies, as life groups, men's and women's groups in the youth ministry, if we prayed with conviction and boldness that God was going to do something in our lives that would be overwhelming, that we didn't expect the mediocre, didn't, didn't settle for the mediocre. Didn't settle just to be religious and come to church, but said, you know what? This isn't a game. This is reality. And I, I, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of what God is doing within the church, within the body of Christ as a whole. But what if we had conviction and boldness to, to pray like that? What if we believe together? In the vision that God has given us that we are a global community, if we believe this, if we truly lived it out, that we are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, awakening imagination, igniting passion. Our imagination is awakened. God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. So we started to start to imagine. Awaken our imagination, ignite our passion. Jen was saying, set a fire in our hearts so we can do wonders. 
Awaken our imagination, ignite our passion, and then, and then act upon, have the courage to act upon those things. You can awaken your imagination and you can ignite your passion and say, yes, God, I see that you want me to do this, but then it's acting upon those things. You're awaking your imagination, ignite your passion, and then unleashing your purpose. What if we, what if, what if we truly live those things out in even, in a greater way? In, in, in even more of a reality than we're doing already. See, in this series, we want to push beyond the boundaries and limitations. We want to push the boundaries of every, in every area of our spiritual lives and of our church. We want to push those boundaries. I want every church, I want every ministry of this church to start asking, if you haven't already, what if? Sitting around in life groups and saying, what, what if? I mean, Pastor Jeff laid this out. What, what if we, what if in our life groups, in our men's Bible studies, in our women's Bible studies, in our youth ministry, in our children's ministry, in every area of ministry here in the church, we started asking that question on a regular basis that became a part of who we are. What if, what if, what if? See, it's sad to me. It seems to me, it's very sad because this is my perspective, that the world in which we live is becoming a lot less passionate, if you will. We're dreaming, we're dreaming less, we're believing less, and more people are filled with fear and doubt and worry and discouragement, looking around the world, and it's almost like you, you take a step back and you're, we're hunkering down in some way. I think it happens within the, within the Christian family, but I see it definitely happening around the world. Where people are more, they're, they're, they have more fear and worry and doubt than they have dreaming and belief. But instead of living in that fear, in that doubt, in that worry, in that disbelief, what if you and I live like we were filled to the very measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ? That's what the word of God, that's what Paul's saying. That we should live to the fullness, the very measure of Jesus Christ. What if, what if we were filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Filled with God's Spirit. Full of God's love, full of God's wisdom, full of God's grace, full of God's mercy, full of God's righteousness, full of God's peace, overcoming that worry and joy, overcoming that fear, full of God's contentment and goodness. What if we lived out those things? What if we were bold enough to live out those things instead of hunkering down with worry and doubt and fear? But we started living out what God has called us to live out as the body of Christ. Individuals bringing our uniqueness into the body of Christ and started living those things out. So again, I want to ask you, what could we accomplish if we lived without limits? If we live without self-imposed limitations? If we cast aside our fears and cast aside all these limitations, even if it's temptations in our lives, what if we were able to overcome those things in our lives and live the Christ-like life that we desire to live? There are so many people here who desire to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to move beyond where they are, but they can't because of something that is stirring and that is holding them in their hearts. What if? What if God was able to break that chain and release you and set you free to do what he's called you to do? You know, I I was thinking as I was writing this that some people are going to think, man, you are so overwhelming sometimes. 
You know, you get, you get so worked up. You're, you're, it's overwhelming. You're, so, you're getting a little bit extreme. As a matter of fact, you're a little weird, right? I've been called weird before, okay? I mean, that's, that's weird. I mean, you're going to try that. That's really weird. But I discovered something amazing, okay? I am weird, and I admit it, okay? Because you know what the definition of weird is? The definition of weird is suggesting something supernatural. That's the definition. Look it up. And then there's another definition. It basically says a person's destiny. I, I am, I, I, I declare to you this morning that I am the, I'm weird. Okay. And I'm getting weirder. I will continue to be weird and get weirder. Suggesting something supernatural. A person's destiny. It's okay for Christians to be weird. It's okay for our church to be weird. Grace Chapel has always been weird. Some of you know that because you've been here since the very beginning. And this church has always been weird. We've always believed that we have a unique, and I'm not saying we're better than anyone else. I'm just saying that we have a unique destiny that can only be accomplished through the intervention, the supernatural intervention of God. The things that we have decided that we're going to try to step out and accomplish could only be accomplished not by our own power, not because we're so smart, not because we're so this or so gifted, I mean, God has gifted us. Sure, he has. But the reason that we can accomplish those things is because God can do immeasurably more through us. And we believe that. See, Paul doesn't want to pray for anything less than God's best. This is what I love about him. He doesn't want to pray for anything less than what is best that God has for us, that we may be filled, he says, with the very fullness of Christ. Filled up. It's like you should, you should have a picture of yourself opening up your arms like a cup, making a cup, and letting God just fill it up. Fill your cup up while it's overflowing. That's what Paul's saying. He's, praying, he's saying that we need to pray. We need to pray for God's best. Anything less than God's best is not good enough. And so what he does, he invokes a power here that is beyond his wildest thoughts, or his words. He invokes a power that is beyond his thoughts, that are beyond. So he, he, he says, and he, he, beyond his imagination. Paul realizes something here that we all need to realize, we all need to own, we all need to understand, and we all need to apply to our lives. There is no limit. This is what he knows, and we, sometimes we don't. There is no limit to God's power. No limit to God's power. Only human words and thoughts of it are limited. There's no limit to God's power. Only our thoughts and our words, when we talk about it, are limited. Not God. God is not limited at all. All you would ever, your words, all you would ever ask, or your thoughts, all you would ever imagine. God can do more than your thoughts. God can do more than what comes out of your mouth. I've had so many, I won't get into it this morning, but I've had so many amazing experiences in my life where I started a project and never in my wildest dreams could I have ever seen what God was going to do 20 years later, 10 years later, five years later. It's absolutely amazing. And here's another cool thing. That we, as I was studying through this, Paul says that this power is not just an external power. It's within us. It's within us. Verse 20. Verse 20 says, according to his power, that is at work within us. Obviously, it's God's power at work within us. But I think I think we sometimes forget. We come to church. We came to Christ. And we just kind of come to church and go through the motions. But we're forgetting. We're forgetting something. That when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, we have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ living in us. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. 
Do you know Jesus said that when he goes to the Father, he said, you'll be able to do even greater things than you've seen me do. We read that and we're like, uh, huh? You see, there, there's got to be a point in your life if you haven't gotten there yet, I mean, you're, especially if you're younger, I really want to challenge you. There's got to be a point in your life where you say, I want to walk through the sea. I want to walk through that part of the sea. I want to walk on the water. I want to try it. I want to fight the lion. I want to take on the giants. I want to live out what I, what I hear about from the word of God and I read about from the word of God. There's got to be a point in your life where you're expecting more, more because of the power that is alive in you. That resurrection power, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. See, throughout this series, I want to suggest, I want to truly suggest something supernatural throughout this series. In your relationships, in your, in your relationship with your wife or your husband, I want to suggest the supernatural in your relationships, in your job, in your career. I want to suggest the supernatural in your job, in your career, in your personal life, in your school, in your home. I want to suggest the supernatural in, in your personality, all these things where we, we need to overcome certain things in our lives. We want the best in our families. We want the best in our jobs. We want the best in all these areas. We need to pray that way. And I want to suggest to you throughout this series, the supernatural all along the way. Think about it. Think, just think about the possibilities. If we all started asking on a regular basis, basis what if? What if, what if, in your homes, you're sitting around with your children, what if, and I'm talking about something spiritually dynamic. You know, our kids get lost sometimes in this whole Christianity, religious thing, because they don't see, they don't see power. They don't see power behind it. I say we show them the power of God in our lives, in our church. We keep asking that question, what if? And that would not be out of character for us because Grace Grace Chapel has always been a church done differently. From the inception of our church, we are a local church that has been embedded within our community every single day. We have always challenged what is. That's how you always do it. You get this and you do this and you stay within your box. You can run around within your box, but you stay within your box. And we have always challenged what is is and always tried to ask the question what if but what if we there's a lot of problems in the world they need to be solved and and it seems to me that some of the ways that we've been trying to solve it over the years has not really been working as effectively so what if what if what if what if we we have built a campus for community and we're trying, we're trying with all of our hearts, we're trying to take that vision to another level. And I want, to take a, I want to take the next few minutes and I want to share with you some of the things that are on our hearts and that, we're, that we are doing now that you may not know about. Some of the things you don't know about and maybe you want to get involved in and some of the things that we have done. But we'll start with the worship center. Some of the things we want to do. You see the floors? I, I, I say, pardon our, uh, the bathrooms right now, the women's bathroom, but you notice the ceiling? Okay, no more drop ceiling, gutted that. And then the bathroom, if you're a woman, you think that's, that's what we're doing? No, that, we just put everything back so you guys could use it. It's not anywhere, we didn't even gut the whole thing out, the floor and everything else. That's what's coming. It's going to have a whole new facelift. But here's the thing. We want to go through and we want to make sure that we look at those bathrooms, we look at that coffee, our coffee area. The lighting in the entire facility. Our children's area will be completely, it'll be moved 
And this whole wall, this whole front wall will be 30 feet of glass, 30 feet across and, and all the way up, maybe 12 or 15 feet of glass to bring more light in. Because we want, we want so, what we're trying to do with all of our hearts is upgrade and enhance the space. But more important to that, more important than enhancing or updating the space. It's not, we're not doing this because we thought, you know, this really needs a facelift. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we sat down as a leadership and said, when people walk into this building, it needs to reflect the vision. It needs to tell our story, the unique story of what God is doing through our church. It needs to reflect when you walk through that front door and and when it's changed, it needs to reflect what God is doing in this church. It needs to tell our story. So whether people realize it or not, they walk in and they, and they, they're, they get, they're awakened in their imagination. It ignites their passion. It unleashes their purpose. They feel it whether they're going, whether they go in the bathroom and the way that's designed, the way the flow, the whole flow is designed, all of it will reflect who we are and will tell our story. Most of what I'm going to talk, most of the resources that we're investing will happen in this building. This building within the next couple of months will be completely different. The color of it, the floors, the ceiling, the lighting, it's going to be different. It's going to be completely different. But there's other things that we're doing on this campus, like our impact center. That impact center has always reflected our hearts and our desires for Grace Chapel. To reach out to our community, to do, to have an impact in our community. To not just say, to not just say to people, come and see, but to go and be, to try to reach out in a way that meets people's needs. This has never been, this facility, that, all that we're doing has never been a, a two day a week facility. The idea was that we would use this seven days a week, that we would do life together on this campus. And so this campus is open seven days a week and there are literally thousands of people who come here during the week, soccer teams, basketball teams, baseball teams, come here, different people using our facility within the community, coming in and using it so that we can reach out with the love of Jesus Christ. Literally thousands of people coming on the campus. We have ministries on this campus that are, that are absolutely impacting people's lives. Our archery ministry, for example, It's one of those dynamic ministries that is reaching out to the community. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that in a second. But think about all the other ministries besides letting the community come in and use it. All the ministries that are going on in the church. You know, we spend more time as a staff and our staff meetings talking about how we're going to. All right, this group is starting. They want a life group starting. Where do we put them in this room or another Bible study starting? We need that room or our men's group is starting. We need another room and trying to figure out facilities because of the growth and how many people want to be and engage and involved in ministry. But that's what we want for this campus. It's always been our desire. The archery classes, for example, Pastor Kevin, I, I have it vividly in my mind, comes into my office and Pastor Kevin suggests something supernatural. It was definitely weird. He said, I have a really weird I want to share with you. I have a vision that I have in my mind I want to share with you. And he suggested something supernatural. And you know what? When I, he first talked to me about that, I thought to myself, that's fine. A couple of people shooting arrows, you know, it's fine. We'll make sure we have insurance, you know, you know, get some students involved. That's all we really need. 
And God said, I can do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. And, I, and I, I'm going to share some things. I can't even get into anywhere near the detail that I like. But let me say, tell you this. We have trained in the public school 13,000 students in all the schools around here in archery. We've trained them. They've invited us in. The schools have invited us in to train them. 13,000. We now have classes five days a week. 20 classes. There are so many people involved in the archery ministry. We had to start a competitive team because our kids kept on getting better and better and better. It has gotten so large that we had to hire a staff person just to run that area of ministry. How many lives I go over there and there are so many different people from so many different ethnic and, and, and just ba- church backgrounds that are coming in and, and using that facility and investing their time into that archery ministry, people within our own body investing their time to see lives transformed, to see people's lives change. Our youth ministry is really taking off, junior high and high school. And one of the things that I would love to see, see happen during the next few months is that we would put a bathroom in the front section of the Grace Impact Center. You have to walk all the way to the back. It's very inconvenient, very difficult for people, especially if they're using the front of the building. We like to keep our kids up front. Long term, when we turn the very back of that building into a, it's going to be a children's wing and a school of the arts. We have another, we have a whole other section in that building that is unfinished. But when we get that finished, we're going to need bathrooms as they, there as well. We found out that one of the pipes back there was the original bathroom, still is viable. So one of the things we love to do is put some bathrooms in there that would make such a tremendous difference in people using that facility. God has been blessing us in so many ways and it's so exciting. Another thing that you may not know about our church, if you're, if you're new to the church, is that we are, we are, very, um, we are very much... Um, involved, I would say, in marketplace ministry. This is a marketplace ministry campus. I'm going to give you a very quick overview. The reason that we do marketplace ministry is simple. God calls each one of us to be a minister wherever he has placed us, in your home, in your school, at work. You're responsible to ministering to the people at work. You're responsible to minister to the people in your school. You're responsible to minister to the people in your home. Years and years ago when the church first started, we didn't have this problem. But then along came Plato. And Plato came up with a philosophy that things are either secular or they're sacred. I am the pastor, so I am doing things that are sacred every day because I'm the pastor. And that's sacred because I do things that are spiritual. You all, on the other hand, second-hand, second-class Christian citizens, okay, you are in the secular world, right? You don't do spiritual things. You go to work, secular. You go to play sports, secular. You do this, it's all secular. So church, basically, God gets about an hour and a half on Sunday morning and maybe on a Wednesday night or whatever. And that's, that's, that's about it. It's so unbiblical, it's mind-boggling. That's not a biblical worldview. Things are either sinful or they're... Right. So if it's not sinful, it's... So when you start asking the question, why are we doing marketplace ministry? My answer to you is if it's not sinful, it's sacred. The word worship and the word, the word work and worship are the same, okay, in the original. When I go and you, when you go, when I go to work, I am worshiping God. When you go to work, wherever you go to work, if you are bringing the Lord with you, if you are doing it as unto the Lord, working as unto the Lord, then you are doing something sacred as well. If you're not doing something sinful, then you are doing something sacred. You are bringing Christ into that. It has nothing to do with being secular. If you're on the field and you're investing in your team and you're ministering to the people on your team with how you live your life and what you say, then that is sacred. 
that builds the foundation for what I'm going to say, because marketplace ministry has been an important part of this church from the very beginning, long before marketplace ministry was popular. Okay, in the country, Grace Chapel was this weird church in downtown Mason building business trees, a a combination of, of business and ministry. We were accelerating businesses. We were working with entrepreneurs to, uh, to uh, we're, we were incubating businesses. We were accelerating businesses with entrepreneurs. We have, bus- we have different businesses we've accelerated all around this campus. We were building an aqua, we were building aquaponic systems for the Crone Conservatory and the Cincinnati Zoo. They invited us to come and build an aquaponic system for them. The Cincinnati Zoo still has their aquaponic system up and running. We build aquaponic systems all around the world. We built them in schools. Why? Because these are ways that we can reach out and impact our community. Why? They're weird. I know they're weird. But we're suggesting something supernatural. We're asking God to work through things that are supernatural. Are we weird? Yes, we are. And we're getting weirder. Okay. Amen. Amen. We're getting weirder. Okay. I will lead in weirdness. I will lead you all into the land of weird. Let me tell you what we're doing. We're building what we're calling the Orca Center where the thrift store used to be. We're building the Orca Center, a world-class marketplace ministry center that will, in, in many ways, in many churches, for, for many churches, it will change the way and they, they do ministry. It will change their focus and the way they do ministry in the 21st century. So many, you know, so many of you come to me and say, what are we going to do? It seems to me the world is changing the government this and they're taking away this and they're, they're infringing upon our rights. And what happens if they take away our ability to give tax free and all those kinds of things? Well, there are churches around the country, especially in the Northeast that are really suffering when only 4% of the people go to church in their community. They're hanging on for dear, for dear life. And some of the things that we are building here on this campus where people fly from all over the world, from Australia, to come here and learn about what we're doing, some of those things that we're accomplishing can help those churches stay afloat so they don't have to close their doors. They don't have to close their doors. They don't have to become a strip mall or a mosque or or something else. They can continue to serve in their community. We are in the process of trying to secure a $715,000 grant from an organization. They're not going to help us with any construction. But their grant, they have $700 million they have to give away in the next 20 years. And their focus is pastoral leadership in marketplace ministry. That is their focus in the church, not other organizations, in the church. They want to inspire churches. They want to encourage churches. We don't really need much encouragement, but $715,000, it may not pay for construction, but they would, that would give us three full-time staff, three more full-time staff. They'll pay for all the training materials that we would build. We could build all the training materials for those who are come from out of town. We would have materials that we can give them. Right now we have a book, a business free book, but this would build on what we already have. This would allow us to have full-time staff people working on marketplace ministry full-time within the church and multiple people that will help us develop business trees for other churches. You know, there are pastors that I'm working with right now that are from Middletown that have to work full-time jobs in order to stay afloat. And they're coming and saying, is there anything that we can do? Is there anything you can teach us and train us to do that will help us so that we can continue to do and serve the Lord with our whole hearts? 
Like I said, for 16 years, Grace Chapel has been in the forefront. I'm not saying we're the best and we're the first and we're the only. That's kind of a waste of time, to tell you the truth. It's kind of silly. All I'm saying is that we have been leaders in the marketplace ministry and through the orca center what we're doing is we're going to bring all of the pieces that we've done all around the campus and all around the city we're going to bring them into one place it's a place where where incredible business people and dynamic entrepreneurs are going to work together with scientists and some of the best designers in the country and engineers to come up with ideas to share ideas Things that will build the kingdom of God. What they come up with, they're going to be used to build the kingdom of God. They can be shared with others. And the resources that we may be able to, to glean from those things will be invested in the lives of people, not just in other countries, but in our countries. And people who so desperately need it. God can do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine. You may be thinking, well, how is that part of the church's vision? Let me give you a couple examples that are, I just am really, really excited about. The first one is training and discipleship. Part of our, part of our five purposes is it fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism, and worship. Discipleship. We are discipling pastors now in the Orca Center, even though it's not finished. We're discipling pastors there. Some of them from the richest churches in Cincinnati, some of them from the poorest churches in Cincinnati. We're training them in marketplace ministry, and we're helping them think about what if. What if our church could? What if? So we're doing training. We're discipling We're being disciplers of others, discipling the people within their church to reach and think beyond the norm, the average, about what they can do as the body of Christ coming together. Evangelism. We are we are starting a sermon, a a seminar series. And some of you I haven't asked yet, but don't worry, I'm going to ask you. Um, the first one is developing and enhancing online businesses. This is the Orca business series. We're going to have one in March, one in, one in May, and then August and November. And there'll be different seminars, business seminars. You know how you, you as a youth pastor, okay, I learned something. You, ner- you need to earn the right to be heard. How do you earn the right to be heard in our culture? If you save someone's business or help someone in their business, I've had people knock on my window at 7 o'clock in the morning over at church, over my office. People within the business community to come into my office to ask if I could pray for them and pray for their business. And you know what was great? I didn't just get a chance to pray for them. I offered them people within the body of Christ who could come around them and help save their business. And they're still in business. You then earn the right to be heard. This is just normal years and years ago in a church. We engaged in all areas of life in people's lives. A pastor was, is great at helping people with their families, but pastors should also be great at helping people with other areas of their lives as well. And this is something that God has gifted us with, with the body of Christ working together. But these seminars are kicking off. We're going to have four more that are going to invest in people's lives. These are going to be, those are out in the, uh, on the, um, the table out here, the, the uh, ministry table. What I want some of you to do, I want some of you to come to this, okay? Because I want you to sit in there, and even if it's not like something you're really interested in, I want you to sit in there because there'll be people coming from all over Cincinnati, and I want you to build relationships with them. We're going to pray before we start. We're not going to hide the fact that we're a church, but I want you, if you would, to come and build relationships with them. People are coming because they have needs. You know, when your business is struggling, you're overwhelmed. And usually you're overwhelmed in other areas of your life as well. So even if you're not a business expert, you can invest in that person's life in a friendship. And ultimately, I'm going to be honest, the goal is to lead a person to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's evangelistic in nature. But how do we reach out to our community? Community, you can't just say, come and see, come and see, come and see on Sunday mornings. You need to go and be. 
And the gift, that the, the gift that God has given us is all of you with all your skills, your talents, your resources, your abilities to impact the lives of people around Cincinnati and around the world. And I'm really, really, really excited about that. ORCA basically stands for originality, resilience, community, and then basically adaptability. And you say, okay, um, what does that mean, ORCA? Well, if you're swimming with sharks, you watch Shark Tank, okay? If you're going to be involved in this area of, of ministry, if you will, marketplace ministry, if you're going to swim with sharks, you better be a killer whale because great white sharks are not the number one predator in the ocean. You know what the number one predator in the ocean is? A killer whale. They ran the great white shark. They turned it upside down. They immobilized it and feed it to their family. Okay, so I study great. I study killer. I study killer whales. They take care of. This is great. They take care of their elderly and they take care of their young. And they are the most adaptable. They're most formidable predators in the ocean. So it's the orca center. All right. I just you know I'm I'm weird. You know, give me a break. I'm weird. Okay. Well, what if what if we could help some of those struggling churches start business trees? Think about that. What if we could do that? I have some ideas. We're going to have what if moments on Sunday mornings. I'm going to have people come up and share their what if moment. Some of you have started things in your own businesses, in your Fortune 500 companies. You've started ministries, if you will, in those companies because you asked yourself, what if? What if I, what if we, and it's changed thousands, if not millions of people's lives. That's what I want. I want to get people up here and I want to share those what if stories. What if? What if I? What if we? That's what God calls us to do. See, this is going to be a place where, where, where innovation and exploring and learning is the norm, a place that we can expand our accelerators and our incubators and our, our think tanks. Listen, to, I thought about this week. Can you imagine for our children that they would be able to interact with some of the top people in the country in areas of business, in design, in science? I'm not, I, we have some of the top people in the country that are going to make the Orca Center their home. It's going to be a place where entrepreneurs come together with those scientists and, the, and, and I want our students to be involved. I want our children to be involved because I want them to dream. I want them to look and I want them to see and I want them to hear the interaction and I want them to think at a young age, this is what we can do. I can do, God, I can dream this, but God can do immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. But it's going to take investment, guys. It really is. It's simple as that. It's going to take all of us working together. It's going to take investment for our time, our talents, and our treasures and the impact though will go far beyond the, 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 the campus that we live on here. The impact will go far beyond, not just around the world, but around our community, around our own country. There's so many things that God can do. Here's what we need to do. The elders said in the beginning of the year, we need to finish this stuff off in the beginning of the year. And so by faith, we stepped out and we started. The bathrooms have been started. This is very Torah. The, uh, the, the coffee area is getting redone. The classrooms are coming. This is going to happen. But I thought, my gosh, what else could we do? What are some other things that we can do with the bathrooms and the Orca Center, all these, all these things that would, would need to be accomplished? If we can raise about $150,000, between $150,000 and $200,000, all of us together, sacrificing every single person getting involved, giving, I am giving you the opportunity to invest, not in my church. This is not my church. This is our church. I'm giving you the opportunity to get engaged in our church, in our future. Financially, yep, absolutely. We need the resources, yes. But we can do about $400,000 worth of renovations for about $150,000 to $175,000. Why? Because we have people in this church who are working really hard 
as volunteers to make this all happen. As a matter of fact, Drew was helping lead this project. He said, if there's anyone who wants to stay after second service or come back after second service very quickly, he'd like to do an impromptu work day. He's got a few projects he'd like to finish out so we can start on the next project. Today, after second service, he would love you to participate in that. He only needs about five or six people. So if you'd come and participate, that would be fantastic as we move this forward. But we can accomplish so much. I have said this from the beginning of Grace Chapel, and I will continue to say it unless someone can prove me wrong. No one can stretch a buck like Grace Chapel. Okay? No one. That's one of our gifts, stretching a dollar. We can do all the things. And I, I, guys, I haven't even gotten into the details. This is just the surface of what God is doing. I haven't gotten even into the details of the Orca Center and all the things that we're going to be doing there. You know one of the things we're going to do real quick? I know I'm going to be going over on time, but you have to forgive me anyway. Just hang out, hang out. We're going to take our archery ministry and we're going to do team building for large companies and small companies. You know how these companies that go out and they go go-karting for a day or whatever else? We're going to do a team building. We're going to do a world-class, if we can, we'll get there, team building exercise for companies. We've already done one for Cintas and I think GE. Okay, and gotten letters from both of them saying, this was wonderful, this is fantastic. We're using the resources we already have, our building and all of our archery team, to invest and come in, and we're going to do team building for those businesses. If you have a business and you want to do team building, check, talk to me, talk to Pastor Kevin. We'll set that up for you. But again, what a great opportunity. Wouldn't it be amazing if the church becomes the place that the community comes to when it comes to like business? Learning more about how can, how can you help me grow my business? How can you help me save my business? How can you help me? What if the church was the place where when they thought about, who I need help, I need help. They came to the church. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Oh my gosh. We've, oh, I'm going to go too, too long. We have communion too, but I don't care. Hold on, just hang with me. When I first start, when we first started Grace Chapel, I was sitting there, and I won't get into the whole detail, but I, I had a vision, and I, was, I wanted to do this, and it wasn't working out exactly, and because the money wasn't coming in from the USAID, from all the things we had planned, and I was whining and whining and whining to God, and God, in, in as clear, it wasn't verbal, it wasn't like an auditory voice, but it was as, as clear as I've ever heard, he said, stop whining. Stop whining. You have some of the greatest business minds in the country all around you. Use them. Don't waste your time with these other government organizations. Use the people within your own body. You have the body of Christ. And I never look back because he's absolutely right. God can do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or even imagine. And I want you to think about the future of your church. And I want you to pray about what you can do. We all, I want everyone participating in this, okay? If you're new, don't worry about it. That's, you know, if it's not, you're not sure if it's your church yet, take, you know, take a deep breath, relax. Not, I'm not really talking to you at this moment. I'm talking to everybody else who's been a part of this church. If we pull this off, and we're not asking for millions, we're talking about 150 to $200,000. If we can pull this off, it will transform not only this church, but I'm telling you, it will transform churches all around Cincinnati because they're following our lead when it comes to marketplace ministry, and especially churches who are in desperate need. And also the things that we've done all around the world, there's so much that we can do. There's so many churches that we can train. There's so many lives that we can transform, but we need to sacrifice and we need to do it now. This vision is so much, this is so much bigger than any one of us, but it is nowhere near 
too big for all of us. And it is certainly nowhere near too big for a God who says, whatever you guys can come up with, I can outdo you. Whatever you can dream, I'll make it better. I'll make it bigger. Whatever your children come up with. uh, See, that's the thing. I want to set a foundation. Can you imagine with me just for a moment? Can you imagine if we as adults pull this off? Can you imagine what our children are going to pull off? And then God is going to do immeasurably more than all than than A can ask or imagine. We worry about our country. You know what we should be worrying about? We should be worrying about spending time in prayer. We should worry about sacrificing. We should be worrying about reaching out to a God who says to us, I'm going to fill you to the very fullness of the measure of Christ. We should be focused on that, not focused on what the bad that's going on, but what good can we do? What impact can we make in our community? I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we take communion, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses, starting at verse 23, but I want you to do something for me as we take communion. I don't want you to lose what we've been talking about here. I want you to, I want you to be dreaming and thinking and talking about with your family and with your life groups and with your men's and women's Bible stories. What if? Have those conversations. Start those conversations out. What if? But keep in mind that the one we need to focus on is not our strength and not how great we are, but how great He is and what He can do through us. His power at work within us. Let's focus on Jesus Christ. As we close, that's what I want to do this morning. I want to take communion. I want to focus on Jesus Christ. I want to call upon Jesus Christ. I want to call upon the Spirit of God. I want to call upon God the Father to hear our prayers, our bold prayers of conviction. That we would cry out to him, God, use us, fill us, do more than we could ever ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within us because of your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. So we take communion as I, as I read the scripture, as I pray, I want you to be thinking about that and how God can use you. I want you to be praying about that. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, you don't have to wait for anybody else. Just get up from your seat. Go to the back of the room. There's the bread and the cup there. You can take of the bread and the cup. You can sit back down. You can come up here and pray. You can stand. You can do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. You don't have to wait for anybody else to take of the bread and of the cup. So after I pray, let the Holy Spirit lead you. For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim... That you are a God of love and compassion. A God who can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. And we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth to set an example for us to follow. Thank you for his body which was given for us on the cross. 
that we could have a relationship with you. Thank you for this blood that was his blood that was shed for us, that we would be covered with his blood, overcoming all of our sin and allowing us to enter into the Holy of Holies so that we can come before you with boldness and conviction in our hearts and in our prayers, Lord God. Thank you that you did that for us, that you hear our prayers and that you desire to do more than we're even asking because you love us that much. Thank you for the the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. In whose blessed name we pray, amen. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. God, as we move forward as a church, may we always be focused on you. May you always receive all the praise and all the glory for everything that we do. Because we we know that we can only do it through your strength. But God, we pray that you would just fill us to overflowing. May we believe with all of our hearts. May we trust you with everything in us to accomplish all that you have for us. And we were sure to give you all that you deserve, which is everything. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great, great day.